Welcome to the second Creative Code po- co- uh, Creative <laughs> Code Pod. Creative Co-pod. Podcasting Code Pod. Yeah, that's one for the bloopers. Welcome to the second episode of the Creative Coding Podcast, coming live from Brighton and wherever you are. A secret location in Cornwall. It's probably very picturesque, right? Uh, it's alright. <laughs> it's alright, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> I'm Seb Lee Delisle. Uh, I'm Ian Lobb. And this week's episode is all about... Uh, mobile <laughs> and devices. Yeah. Although I hate the word devices, so let's I'm just going to say mobile. What can you say instead of devices? Gadgets. Gadgets, yeah. It's a bit, yeah. Devices is just such a wide-ranging, all-encompassing term, isn't it? Mm. I just find it quite a perverted word. It's like, <laughs> devices. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean, though? It sounds a bit wrong, that's for sure. Yeah, but there's so many, so much going on in... in um, I can't even say devices anymore without... <laughs> you've, you've just corrupted that word for just me Just say now. mobile then. Please. Mobile, yeah, so much going on, isn't there? I mean, it's really fragmenting and I think um, we're, we're going to have to wait and see what happens when they all settle, right? Sure. So what are we going to cover today? Um, well, we're going to talk about uh, Windows Phone 7, uh, iOS, uh, Android and uh, BlackBerry Playbook. Oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. But before we start with that, we should um, just say about... Uh, well, we had loads of feedback, right, from last week's? Oh, do you want to do that first? Yeah, I think so, maybe. Okay, cool. Could be fun. I mean, on, okay. on the whole, people seem to like it, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so Adam says, good work, fellas. I think you need to invest in a better mic. <laughs> well, we're trying that this time, so... Well, I am. You're just using the same... Oh. Yeah, but we're going to get a better quality thing of uh, my audio, aren't we? So. Yeah, it does sound all right from here. I'm using like my professional recording gear this week. Yeah, I'm so. still using my laptop. <laughs> so I'll probably sound really good. And I'll still sound <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I, I learned some interesting stuff from last, last week's. Um, I learned how to pronounce the acronym. Uh, oh, you know, how do you say the acronym? Well, I, I had two people, but... I, um, uh, Jeremy Keith said it, he pronounced it what's WG but actually um, someone else said that they just say what's working group and what working group actually is fewer syllables right than what WG so that's mm. weird yeah that does seem like a very sensible way to say it yeah we had quite a lot of downloads we did we had we're up to about two and a half thousand now wow which for an episode one I think is awesome I think that's really good we'll just have to wait and see if they come back and we had uh, several people, um, or one or two people at least, uh, talking about our lack of knowledge yeah. <laughs> of JavaScript. Yeah. I can't exactly remember what that was. Yeah, I feel I was a little bit harsh on JavaScript. So I'm going to say something nice about JavaScript, which is what I think is good about JavaScript, is that it's like there's now a programming language available to anyone who has a computer. So, you know, you're back to like the days of basic where you could just turn from your computer and you had a command prompt you know now you can open up a text file everyone's got a notepad everyone's got a browser or you can type code straight into the uh the menu bar what's it called sorry that input box then can't you I, I don't know input you can type you can type javascript into your address bar can you yeah oh my god that's some crazy shit yeah isn't that cool <laughs> yeah so that's what i like about javascript I yeah like that there is so i guess that's of... that's what the javascriptors say when they say that they like that it's so open and accessible is that i mean i guess that's a good point you don't have to buy any software you don't have to you don't have to download any software yeah 
Except even browser. free software. Yeah, we so everyone's already got one. So that is cool. It's very cool, and um, I'm sure I I made some points in a fairly unclear way as well, which I should probably think about clarifying. But I can't actually remember what they are anymore. Sure. There we are. I mean, I think with any of those things, it's like you have to you have to imagine it from the perspective of you're someone who's devoted your life to that technology. Yeah. And to hear anything, I mean, for this, this is what we get every day if you do Flash, but to hear people like being maybe slightly unkind about your, your baby, yeah. it's not always nice to hear. Yeah. But that's why it's good to know, know more than one programming language, because then maybe you're not going to be so precious about, because people, you know, for example, who defend PHP or JavaScript or something like that to the debt without actually having done any other languages. Well, they're not going to be able to present uh, or understand every point of view, are they, if they've never learned anything else? I mean, I think that's something that I've really benefited from is that, you know, of course, of course, I still there's some technologies that I know better than others. But because I've kind of at least spent some time with a lot of different things, it really does help me to get cut through those arguments and often it just basically means that i always argue the other side of whoever's got a strong opinion <laughs> yeah it's quite, a, quite an annoying uh kind of <laughs> passive aggressive way of acting isn't it um well if, yeah it's it's kind of makes life interesting <laughs> it's quite bizarre because generally i avoid confrontation but it's yeah i mean of... i generally do the exact opposite of what you're saying so if i'm with javascript developers i'll say nice things about javascript <laughs> And if I'm with Flash developers, I'll say nice things about Flash. Whereas you like to do exactly the opposite of that. Oh, only if um, only if I feel that the people that I'm with are, are being unfairly critical of other technologies. You know, I feel especially if it's sort of without any understanding of why people might want to use them or why they're actually quite good in some ways. You know. Sure. So it's I don't know. It's fun. Cool. Um, Felix says it's the new Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, <laughs> which made us chuckle a lot. That's brilliant. I just don't know which one's which. And probably, maybe we should get drunk and do these things. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think we swore on the last episode, which is good. So Yeah, that, I, that is good. I don't want to swear either. I think it's very... Yeah, swearing is it's not Unlike cool. certain other podcasts. Which, which ones? Come on, name names. The explicit web one, <laughs> where they aim to swear as much <laughs> as possible. Yeah, no, we don't do that. Oh, yes, I did say something that um, could be misconstrued. It's that, um, you know, I was quite critical of Flash programmers who programmed JavaScript as though it was Flash. And I mentioned... Were you critical, though, or did you just point it out? I don't know. I hoped I wasn't critical. I thought you just pointed it out. I thought you just said... Yeah, yeah, I was just pointing it out, but I think it might have sounded like I was being critical, especially of, like, Grant Skinner, who is actually a brilliant coder. And and I actually mailed him to say sorry. (laughs) Sure. So I'll do it publicly as well. Sorry, Grant. I didn't mean to say that it'd be critical at all. <laughs> it's all cool. And yes, I was pointing out, and I think it's interesting to see those different styles. So anyway, enough of that. Should we move on to this week's subject? Is there anything else from last week? Um, I'm just whizzing through. No. Good. But lots of nice, lots of nice feedback and yes. general support. So thank you all a lot. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you a very lot. <laughs> That's really kind. Okay, okay so, so mobile. Well, there's been some developments in mobile this week, hasn't there? Or uh, mobile and devices, I should say. Um, there was the new Android tablet. The, how do you say it? Is it the Zoom? Or is it, it's got an X in? Oh, yeah. The, uh, uh, I don't know how you say it. Cause, the Zoom. 
I heard someone say Zoom and thought they said Zoom, which is quite that, confusing. That is <laughs> not a mistake you want made with your product. I, I'm going to just say Zoom. Okay. Yeah, that's stupid. Um, yeah, it looked all right, didn't it? I, I was... uh, yeah, I didn't really see much of that one. No. Is that running Android 3.0? Yeah, so that's, that's the new sort of flagship Android honeycomb device. Um, the thing that struck me about it, and this is very difficult to see in videos, but it definitely looked like it was a bit more responsive than some of the android phones i've tried yeah i had a go on my friends is it the desire or something the other night oh yeah in the pub and he we just looked at some of my flash games and kind of see how they ran and stuff and yeah it's cool because i'm i'm like an iphone guy i've got an iphone i love my iphone um but yeah it was just really nice to be able to see my flash work just purely out of uh out of what's the word context no what is the word i'm looking for uh, i don't know out of out in the jungle can can oh, we just it's... say that it's quite early in the morning? Or well, it's not early in the morning, but it is the morning when we're. It's recording. the morning. We shouldn't really do this again. <clears throat> in the um, I've lost the word. Oh, forget it. So it's good to see your your work on a different platform in a different format. Um, yeah, or just at all because I'm so used to not being able to see any of it as oh, I browse the web. I mean, because mobile Safari. I mean, I've got a three GS mobile Safari though. It's still just it's a text and text images and video reader basically it doesn't do anything interactive like yeah. even the things it can run canvas etc or games html games don't don't really work i think no i think flash. It's... so it can play like quick time videos plus you can read text and images and it does those things really well but yeah i mean i think it's important to say that it's not impossible to get an html game to work on ios but it's going to take a bit of effort and it's mm. probably not possible with canvas unless it's very simple Sure. I mean, as a as a kind of de- mobile device owner, you're you want existing content to work, don't you? Well, this is a really interesting discussion. <laughs> and <it's, laughs> um, I mean, I got a, a Nexus One. I don't even know when that was. It was probably a few, quite a while ago, probably nine months ago or something. And I, I made myself live with it for at least a couple of months. I've never been. I've never been as angry or frustrated <laughs> with a device for a long time, but I really made myself live with it. And of course, you know, the first thing I did with it was I checked out all my flash work in it. Um, and I was really, yeah. di- I, I always say this, but I was really disappointed because I couldn't play any of my games really um, because they all need cursor control. Yeah. Um, although, you know, I think it's important to say that, that Flash Player runs remarkably well on these devices. I think the engineers have done a brilliant job. But I have to say, my sort of day-to-day browsing experience on Android wasn't as, didn't feel as good to me as, as the iPhone. Um, and there's a few reasons for that. I think just like weird things that you get used to on iPhones that's kind of nice. Like when you double tap on a bit of text and it kind of zooms to fit that bit of text. And on the Android, it would do something a bit weird. It would zoom in further than the width of the text and then re-justify all the text. And oh, yeah. it's just That's sort of weird things like that. And also it just didn't feel quite as smooth. And generally when I when I saw some Flash content on it, you know, it wasn't... It's I don't know. I, it's like the thing about mobile Flash content is that, in fact, Flash content in general is designed with pixel precision in mind so if there's a button or a component that they've designed they've they've designed it for your desktop so if then it's on a mobile device on a screen that's really small then all the buttons and components are going to be small as well 
and not really yeah, designed for touch. Of course, you know, you can say, well, that's not optimized for mobile. You have to redesign it. But I mean, I'm not going to remake all my old games just for mobile Flash Player. Um, sure. I don't, I don't even have the source code for some of it. You know, no. it's like Flash Player 6, some of it. So I yeah. don't know. I mean, I, could we not be in a bit of a transitionary period, though, where mobile devices are a bit underpowered compared to computers and if we look forward to say five years time that won't be an issue because everything will be powerful enough to run all your stuff or will we have just found new ways to stretch because the problem is with you know any kind of interactive content be it flash or html or or whatever you you push you push it to what your the cpu of the computer that you're using can take generally and then maybe you test it on a two-year-old or three-year-old computer just to make sure it, it's still working on that as well what you don't expect is to then run it on something with half the number of cpus and half as slow yeah i think that's right? a, i think it's a really important point it's like it is all you know it's still in flux we're still trying to figure out what's going to happen the, the devices are getting more and more powerful all the time um i think you know and it could be that if if there's a huge demand for mobile flash that we'll see specialized flash content you know at least um at least that has the ability to run on mobile devices and, and has been built in a way to, des- to that's designed to work with that i do think that ios has kind of probably slowed that research and development in those areas because right now if you want your stuff to work on mobile then it has to work on ios and so you're not going to use flash i think at the moment at least it's going to be very unlikely that you're going to build something specially in in a flash mobile or that will work on flash mobile when really if you want to target all mobiles then you have to do something that is html or javascript so i don't know it depends if i think if all the phones like um, and you showed me that graph earlier and we'll put a link to it that shows a huge uh, increase in the number of android phones you know if if it really does get to be that there are so many phones with flash on and so many users that are enjoying that flash experience that um that it is does become viable and required to make your stuff in flash then i think that would be really interesting and i think it would probably force apple's hand into implementing flash player as to whether i think that's very likely or not i mean i personally don't think that's very likely it's a possibility um, I mean, but it's going to be fun to watch if, watch it play out isn't it sure i mean if you look forward to say a time in five years time if if flash is still a relevant technology yeah um, I hope it is so that I don't have to learn something new, but <laughs> there's no guarantees in, in, te- in the world of technology. There really is. Say it is. Say it is. And then, you know, the the generation of iPads and, and uh, iPhones by that point will be so powerful that there will be no, you know, reasonable justification to not put Flash on there. Because, I mean, when the when the original iPhone launched, there was a very legitimate reason to not have Flash on there, which is it had two 350 megahertz CPUs. Um, which it was is not too that. slow. It was too slow. Yeah, exactly. They didn't want to say that because they'd managed to, through their clever engineering, make browsing really fast. But I mean, yeah, Flash is like you know, it gives you enough rope to hang yourself. You know. It's... Yeah, I guess it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's like what what this whole iOS thing has done is it's it's put the brakes on any sort of innovation in mobile Flash. I think it has anyway because it's like. Like I said before, if you want your stuff to work on mobile, you're not going to do a, a mobile Flash version for all the Android phones and then do something in HTML for iOS. You're just going to invest in one that all can play, right? I would have thought. Um, depends what you're making. Like yeah. If you're making a game, you're going to do Flash plus app 
Yeah. Really? Yeah, That sure. seems to be the, the business model like. Yeah, but you probably do an Air app on Android as well, right? Anyway, that's, that's kind of sort of distracting a bit from the point where that I was trying to make, which is that Flash Mobile is really developing and growing on platforms that aren't iOS. iOS. And mm. if iOS subsequently wants to implement Flash, then they've got some catching up to do. You know, you just have to see that on the iPhone packager on the Flash, you know, the Flash iPhone packager, which was just basically shelved for six months. And then when they, they said, oh, you can use it, it suddenly looked very primitive compared to like what was happening on Air Android. Sure. So I don't know. It's sort of I feel like they've kind of, if, if Flash Mobile was allowed to, you know, because right now you can't realistically, like, there are exceptions, but for the most part, you're not going to make any rich content in Flash if you want it to work on mobile. No. So in in a way, it feels like the. But brakes I mean, that's have been a, that's a, that. a problem anyway, isn't it? How do you make any rich content for mobile when the the specs of the devices is still relatively low? Yeah. You know, HTML games generally don't work. Flash games don't work. I mean, I think it's it's also like this is another interesting point is that you know do you, what what rich content do you want now? That's why app stores are popular though because because you have native speed on a native app you're going to want that if you're for something rich and interactive and you know that's why both the Android and iOS app store are full of full of content. Yeah, and and maybe you know maybe I mean I think that Flash. In fact, this was the point that Jeremy Keith made when I was interviewing him for what the flux. I'll just warn you that we are talking about Flash quite a lot. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll just say this and then we'll we'll move on. Um, Jeremy made the point that Flash has been like a delivery platform as opposed to the sort of semantic web, which is content. You know, Flash Player is like a way of delivering apps that just sit within your browser. So I yeah. guess that's sort of not that much different from actually using the App Store or another method of delivering your content. Yeah. So so let's get away from Flash then. Okay. We always, well, let's talk we always about, get drawn um, back into Flash, don't we? Yeah. Let's talk about Windows Phone Seven then. So yes. I, so you've I done some one. work in this, right? Yeah, I've got I've got one um, that Microsoft very kindly sent me. It, um, I don't use it as my main phone. I still like my iPhone for that. But yeah. I've had a go kind of developing some stuff for it and I've had a go just playing with it so I can talk about that. Yeah. Um, in terms of just having a phone, using it as a phone, it's fine. Um, it's pretty decent. I've not really had a huge go on Android so I can't really compare it to that. But yeah, it's comparable to iOS uh, in terms of what it can do. Um, I had a look at it. That... I, was quite, I quite liked that they had this sort of new... It was it was like a kind of new concept on the sort of the widgets and all the stuff on the on the home screen. I thought that was really cool. It's quite yeah, it's quite text based. Like mm. it's got like a nice font on it, and <laughs> it kind of feels a bit like an airport sign or something like that. <laughs> where it's just like, for example, you know, instead of having a grid of apps like every other device, this has a list. Yeah. With the names of the apps kind of written down, it's just a slightly different way. It's quite typographic. It's just a different kind of way of interacting but it works i mean it works pretty good um one, one thing i don't like about it is the browser which is ie7 really yeah or I, i'm not an expert on this but or, what i know is that on the one hand microsoft are pushing html5 really hard kind of singing the praises of all the stuff all the work they've done with that on ie9 hmm. and then on the other hand they've just shipped a mobile device which doesn't support any html5 uh, <coughs> uh or flash yeah so Although they yeah. haven't, they haven't. Their official line is that they're not, um, they're not blocking Flash. They're just, they're not gonna, they're not gonna stump up the money to make it. <laughs> is what I gather. Right. 
So oh, I, is that right? I, that's what I heard. Is that Adobe? I mean, I think Adobe's core. It's a very, it. it's a very young platform. So you know, at the moment, for example, there's no native SDK. Like, there's no C plus plus SDK. There's just a, a C sharp based SDK. Um, there's no, which is also why you see no like Unity support or anything like that. Because yeah, at the moment, um, you, you, no one has that low level access basically. And I guess the same applies for things like Flash Player. It's like it's very young technology. Maybe Adobe haven't had them for very long. Maybe they don't think it's worth the investment. I don't know. I imagine they would because, you know, every other platform that's shown a willingness to have Flash has got it. But, I'd I mean, be very surprised if they they're not working on it, wouldn't you? Maybe we should ask. Oh. There's anyone from Adobe listening? <laughs> that but, knows I mean, about whether they're you know, working Cam- on Windows. Canvas, for example, they could just implement themselves in SVG and things. Then yeah, we've got no excuse, really. Sure. So uh, if you develop on um, on Windows Phone, it's it's Silverlight or XNA, isn't it? So yeah. So XNA is like a sort of what is it like a gaming platform, isn't it? It's like a low level games framework. It doesn't actually. It's not like a game engine like Unity. It's you know very much like a kind of rendering engine yeah is the best way to look at it but it does also handle the kind of the basic nuts and bolts of your game like making sure you get a frame rate that's consistent those kinds of issues um so you yeah it's it, it does simplify the process of making games and it works for windows pc for xbox 360 and now for windows 7 so in theory you can make a game that runs across all three of those and distribute um with just some small changes and distribute it on all, all three of those platforms. So what, what is, have you built with it then? You've done some stuff, right? Just done some bunnies, basically. <laughs> um, I've just mucked about with X and A. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of a really nice development process. Like I'm a big fan of C Sharp, the language. Um, it's probably my favourite language over ActionScript, I'd say. Um, it's just got all the kind of modern language features that you can think of, really. Like I think Microsoft have really um, innovated in terms of just keeping up with what can a, what can a programming language be like how much can we make it do mm. um so yeah the only other language kind of at that level is maybe scala yeah also has a lot of crazy features but yeah like for example the latest version of c sharp i'm not sure it's one you can use on um on windows phone but it lets you do functional programming and it's got all kinds of like you can use it whichever way you want to use it really so yeah so it's, it's basically like a very mature programming language yeah, they spend a lot of time and money and stuff making it really cool to use. And the tools are also great. So all the tools are free. Uh, Visual Studio 2010 kind of mo- special Windows edition, which lets you build Silverlight apps and XNA apps. I mean, everyone I've ever spoken to that's used Visual Studio reckons it's the best programming IDE. It's really nice. It is yeah. really nice. There's things like... Um, I'm going to kind of get it wrong now, but it's just like <laughs> things that where, like, for example, you might be debugging and you're like, what would be ha- useful in this situation? Or if I just roll over the, the variable in the text, like actually in my code, and it just shows a tooltip with the value of that. And it's just stuff like that that's just like, or for example, if you've got a code error, it, it, you've done something wrong, it, it draws a line under it. But then you roll over that, and it actually tells you how to change it to make it work. It actually tells you what you've done wrong. Like, are you missing a cast? Or, uh, you know, these these two types are incompatible. And so... You know, all the problems that you get with working with a kind of strictly typed, statically typed language of making sure everything's the right type and cast properly and everything, it kind of gives you lots of help with that. So what's the what's the app store like then? If you is there? What's yeah, it's the... fine. I mean, it's just an app store. Isn't yeah. It, really? And it's, it's like an app that runs on the phone, like the, the iOS app store. Yeah. 
yeah, absolutely. Um, is you, there a web thing put, for it? I, I'm not did sure. you publish anything on it yet? I haven't published anything yet. I've paid my um, like annual fee yeah. so that I can. But it's just a matter of, you know, if I'm going to invest the time to do an independent project game, do I want to do it? Is that the platform I want to do it on? You know, I'm, I'm really keen to try the technology, but it's just like, you know, once you start investing your time, you know, I could invest that time in making a Flash game. I could invest it in doing something else entirely. So, I mean, I think it's re- that's really important. It's very difficult to decide what to spend your time looking at, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, in a way, that's why I, you know, why I do so much research in, in stuff, because hopefully I can kind of share my discoveries with people that maybe don't have the time to learn. Sure. That's what I hope anyway. I've certainly been writing up a lot of that stuff lately and and it you know and it just and we've covered this already but it just really is so much in flux right now that actually I think there's no real point in spending I mean the only the only reason to spend time um researching one of these really new things that haven't really proved themselves yet is if you want some good PR <laughs> when they start to promote them right. and launch them <laughs> you know like so say um say we spent some time doing um you know some webgl stuff for example yeah now that's not production ready um i don't even know when it will be production ready i think even an optimistic estimate would be at least a year i think realistically it's going to be even longer than that (laughs) if ever um but if we were to make a kick-ass webgl demo then we everyone would like there'd be so much noise and buzz around it that it would give us some good pr so and i think that's true to uh, for a lot of these new platforms you know like, i know well you never know what's gonna what's about to take off yeah exactly you know, i might have you know i wrote a few blog posts about kind of getting started with windows phone and mm. i might have been inundated with offers of work <laughs> really i wasn't as it turned out <laughs> but it, do you know what i mean I, yeah i might have been so it's yeah. like you never know what's gonna because when you know with with iphone apps that's exactly what happened it's like there was suddenly a huge market yeah but i do and if you knew objective c which was a pretty obscure thing to know before yeah but that's that's like that's a gamble isn't it it's like um those people who had invested the time learning about iphones then they benefited from the fact that there was a huge explosion in demand for those apps but for all of these new platforms coming out you know playbook android molehill webgl canvas all of these things uh, no one really knows which one of those is going to go is going to blow up no and in fact you're the safe thing to do is to not try and predict it yeah the safe thing to do is just to wait and see yeah it's not a huge thing for me to spend a couple of days playing with windows phone when i've already played with x and a in the past so that's not a new thing well you know what i'd say you know always there's there's no harm in in um arming yourself with extra knowledge about these new things just so that you can keep tabs on them really and yeah. continue to monitor whether they're going, they're something that's going to be worth learning or not. Yeah, and actually, when I first played with X and A, that was the inspiration for me, kind of creating my math helper class, which kind of stores all my all my maths, which is they had um, the vector class. Yeah, you know uh, the way they do their time steps, all kinds of things. You kind of the way they did uh, the way the joypad input works, for example, gamepad input on X and A was kind of the inspiration for my 
open source gamepad library so yeah so that's that's kind of a different um a different point isn't it so um what we were just talking about about investing in new technology that's very much the business point of view right but what you're saying yeah. now is very much the sort of developer point of view that it's yeah. it's always going to be good for you as a developer to learn different stuff because it gives you an appreciation of the things that you already are really good at and maybe gives Absolutely. you you know gives you um inspiration for for how to build things for those different platforms so yeah it's a slightly different thing so what what else about app stores um there's the new android app store it looks pretty good have you seen that yeah i just checked it out briefly i don't have an android phone so i don't have a massive um, reason to go on there but yeah i mean i think the main thing with it is that you can actually buy apps on your computer on the website and they just automatically get sent to your phone I think that's pretty right. slick. Yeah, oh, wirelessly. Yeah, just magically. No, it's magic. So not, it's not, not between your com- not between your computer and your phone, but it kind of tells your phone to get yeah. it from the internet. It just magically goes. It's magic. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you want though? I don't know, isn't it? I don't know. What What's good about the iOS thing is that for the way the app store works, it's like for each app, there's a web presence, mm. then there's an iTunes presence, and then there's a phone presence. Yeah. Right. So you can, you know, if you want to go and look up kit and conveyor belt, you can find a you can find a web thing for it and a, and find it in iTunes and find it on your phone. Yeah, is that is that why is that good? Because um, <laughs> it's just wherever you happen to be. But then I guess with Android, you don't even need the iTunes bit because it skips that whole thing. Like, yeah. What I really like about the Android model is the fact that you don't have to pay a developer any kind of subscriptions or anything. Yeah. And also, there's no vetting process. Mm. Because that tends to be a real arse. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have like, I have mixed, really mixed feelings about the sort of the curation of, of app stores because, you know, I've been through the approval process and it is such an arse. I mean, I can't tell you. The iOS approval process is just rubbish. I mean, it's so rubbish. I know. Yeah, and it, it's, I, I mean, I it's it such well. a surprise because... You know, when you look at Apple and they're so focused on user experience and everything is so slick and so polished that when you actually go through the process of, well, looking at Xcode and the um, the approval process and the, um, there's also a tool for checking whether your app is valid and stuff, which is pretty weird and unreliable as well. And it just makes me think that all of that whole side of it, the, the App Store, the iTunes Connect, the Xcode um, validation tools, to me, that is like Apple's junk room. You know, it's like the spare room that they've got that they've chucked all this crap in. Right. <laughs> you know, because it's like I've never seen any part of Apple that isn't that is that messy and convoluted and difficult to use. I mean, it's just horrible. Well, well when I did my packager, I did an iPhone packager app and got it onto the App Store during the beta. Yeah. Before they banned them, <laughs> and I had to. I mean, I did it on Windows, so I had to like, I had to sign mine using a command line tool. <laughs> it was absolutely insane, and I had to send to get to sign up to the thing. I had to send a fax. <laughs> So at that point you failed. Basically, I mean, it, it wasn't that. I don't think I had to do that. Did I? Was it because you, you were mean, on you a PC? Did. Just because I did it as a business. Oh yeah, no, I don't think I did that. Yeah, that was a pain. Um, but going back to the point about whether you know whether there should be that approval process, well, I certainly, as a user, I find the Apple App Store quite easy to use and find good content. Whereas the marketplace, although I only really looked at it when it was very young, it was almost impossible to find good content. So whether that's because 
it was curated or whether it was just because it wasn't organized properly I'm not sure but my instinct says that I mean I'm kind of glad that there is that approval process because I mean otherwise you could be downloading like um, malicious software or anything right yeah but then every other platform everywhere everything on the web works by having flat things that you can flag and stuff Mm. so I don't know you know what makes it special do you see what I'm saying, though? It's like if you upload a, a video to YouTube, you don't expect it to be manually vetted to make sure that it's got no boobs in it. Yeah, but, but right? watching it's the a same, video... It's the same thing. But watching a video on YouTube can't corrupt your hard drive, right? I mean, it might be able, it might be able to corrupt your delicate sensibilities, but it's not going <laughs> to do any actual damage to your computer. Whereas, you know, whereas an application could potentially be malicious. Sure. But then what about something like Downloads.com? You know, they managed to survive. Uh, I've... Right? Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, they, they are kind of a central location where you can find free software, freeware software. And, you know, they ship millions of programs. You have a rating system, you have a flagging system. Okay, you know, you're going to get a couple of casualties along the way, but... Sure. Yeah, I so, know, I, so... I would rather have the open system, really, yeah. and free as well, because it's like, it's not just you pay a one-off fee to become a developer on, on iPhone or on Windows Phone 7. You have to pay every year. And if you don't pay, they take your apps off the App Store. Yeah. I mean, so, actually, I mean, you can. So, I, I mean, that's going to screw your long tail if you think about it. If you, yeah. you know, if you've got an app that you made and you want to, you know, you just want it to bring in a couple of hundred quid a year. It's like, well, seventy quid of that is already gone on your. They, you know what? Apple just called me up. They called. Right. They they phoned me to tell me my <laughs> developer license or whatever membership was about to expire. Sure. And I was like, can't you just send me an email? And they're like, no, no, we can't. I'm like, what? So you're calling me on the phone. Like, you could just send me an email with a link to where I should go to, to renew my application. They're like, no, no, we do it by phone. You have to go to your iTunes Connect or whatever. I can't remember what it is. Your developer centre and, and renew it. It's like, is that really efficient? I was really surprised. Yeah. But it's interesting. It's like, you know, but just I'd... hacking, just mucking about with apps, though, and just... Yeah doing little demos and stuff becomes a loss-making enterprise at that point, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think I, I personally don't really... It's like $99 or whatever it is. I, I just, it doesn't really make much difference to a professional, you know, in our industry. That's no, I not... know, but it's... I just... I don't know. I just don't like the out of principle. I don't like it. I mean, I was... I would rather... I mean, my main problem with it is that it's not very good a very good system or um you know it doesn't work very well that's my problem no well i mean i'd rather pay more and have a better system (laughs) (laughs) yeah one thing that's interesting is the the fact that it doesn't catch a lot of copyright infringements yeah a huge number in fact um i just saw something they don't in fact i don't even think they try to catch them so Mm. yeah one of the things i posted here in our notes was yeah wolfire games their game uh lugaroo basically someone downloaded it and then resubmitted it to the Mac App Store and it was there for ages and Apple didn't were very slow to react so it took them a couple of weeks basically to to take it down at which point they've lost a huge number of sales right I think that's really really disgusting um especially when like if I was to upload like a sort of Lunar Lander clone if it's very similar to an app that's already there then they, there's a chance they won't approve it right. so for, not, for actually people so- stealing it and re resubmitting it. I mean, I just think that's terrible. Yeah, and, um... and it's not just them. Um, yeah, lots of flash games because it's quite easy to you know download a flash game and decompile it to get the assets. Yeah. So there's lots of things where, for example, the game Heli Attack, where yeah, that was kind of ripped of all its assets and then <laughs> rebuilt really shoddily. Yeah. As an iPhone app submitted, and that was up there for you know for from a long a long time 
weeks and weeks before Apple did anything about it. Yeah, you don't really get the feeling that they're looking after their developers very well. No, I mean, that that thing specifically is much worse than the weight. It's like you could live with the weight if they caught these kinds of issues, right? Yeah. In summary then, the app stores are annoying, but you can't forget the reason that they exist, which it actually gives you a way of generating revenue that is quite simple from your point of view in that you just upload your app and eventually you get a check for some money. <laughs> I, I, unsurprisingly, I haven't earned any money from Kit and Conveyor Belt. I was expecting when, when, it to be a cult classic. When it was like a paid app, did you do a lot of sales or not? Uh, I think I did. I think I did like a hundred sales, probably. Right. And then when I made okay. it free, I got like two thousand. Yeah. See, that was what was disappointing about my game was that um, even though it was completely free, yeah, yeah, uh, it, it was only downloaded about I think five thousand times total. Yeah. So it's like. You know, it, any any free flash game, you can do five thousand in your first day, yeah, easily. So it's like, you know, to have the lifetime number of plays for a free game, five thousand is not not that exciting, really. Okay, but I honestly think that if you want to do really, really well out of it, you have to invest a lot of time. I mean, just look at Matt Rick's Train Yard, right? Which is mm-hmm. um, an excellent game, which he did by yeah. himself, and he's starting to earn some good money off now. But that is purely because the amount of care and attention that he's invested into that is quite remarkable. The amount of polish yeah. that there is and the social networking side, you can share your solutions. And he's even got like a flash version of the, the sort of player. So you can go online and view people's solutions and it runs oh, in really? flash. Yeah, so it's it's really nice. So And he's written some really good, interesting, one or two interesting blog posts about his process. Yeah, and, and it's definitely worth checking out. So, I mean, my problem and probably your problem as well with the iPhone app store is that we just did as little amount of work as we could to get an app on there. (laughs) (laughs) Minimum viable product. Yeah. And whereas that might have worked at the beginning and we haven't mentioned Keith Peters in this podcast, so let's do it now um, on his Falling Balls app, you know, which he's made an absolute, he's had thousands and thousands of downloads on on Falling Balls and he's had quite a few people completely rip it off as well. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? He just got in there early. But also, you know, Falling Balls is quite a playable game. Yeah. A simple bit of work. It uses the tilt controls, which is nice. Yeah. And, you know, he definitely struck gold with that one, for sure. Yeah. But I mean, the the thing that's the same about that and Train Yard is that ultimately they're both fun experiences to play. Yeah. And our apps were maybe lacking <laughs> in that area right yeah and and actually you know because my app kit and conveyor belt was so um limited in in functionality that i think there could have been a lot of because i mean essentially it's just pictures of kittens going by on a conveyor belt i do think that if i'd spent a lot more time on it it might have just been that much more of a pleasing experience yeah but i didn't it might not it might have just been polishing its head yeah but then the more also the more time you put into something you know the 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 more you have to get back from it in whatever whatever form you want yeah fame you know if it's fame or money chicks (laughs) you know (laughs) you're gonna uh you know you're chasing your losses at some point aren't you yeah so um there's been just to get back on track with the devices so there's not only the the kazoom it sounds a bit like kazoo let's say kazoom um And but there's also the new HP one. Did you see that yesterday? They just announced it. Uh, I saw that it was announced on Twitter. I didn't read about it though. Yeah, actually, what, maybe. what, what about on. it? Um, yeah, I, I don't know anything about it at all. It's got Flash. I, I was hoping you might know about it. Is it Android? 
No, it's it's like the Palm OS. What's that called? Um, it's like, hang on, just edit this bit out. I think it's, is it like WebOS or something like that? WebOS, yeah, that yeah, that's exactly it? what it is. Um, I think you mean WebOS? Yeah. Maybe you can edit that bit in the voice over. <laughs> yes, Seb, it's WebOS. Oh, yeah, WebOS, yeah, which is the Palm OS, right? So, it I is. mean, it's like, yeah, another platform. So I think that would be interesting to watch as well. I hear good things about Palm from my friends who have Palm Pre's and stuff. What was the Palm thing that came out? The Pre? Yeah. That was, like, going to be the, the iPhone killer and stuff, and then two months later it was like, oh, it's not... <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I just remember the hype was off the chart, I remember, yeah. about the Palm Pre. Well, I, I don't really know much about sales, but I just know that I've got a couple of friends, particularly in America, where, you know, iPhones aren't an option because of the poor AT&T coverage or, or whatever, right. um, and who have Palms, and, and they really they really like them. Um, I think sure. there's some... The situation in America is weird, though, isn't it? Like, why would Apple tie themselves? I know that they're opening it up now, mm. I think, but... Why would they tie themselves to this carrier who are kind of known to be, you know, not great? I mean, I, I know when I was in San Francisco, I saw friends there who, who were telling me that they had two phones. They had an iPhone and then they had another right. phone for actually making calls with. And it was like, huh? <laughs> but that's kind of, you know, how bad the AT&T service was in their area. They needed an sure. iPhone because of their work or whatever, but they actually had to get a normal phone as well. Um, but I mean, I'm kind of amazed that iPhone has been such a huge success in America, considering that the provider has, has not always been very good. Um, so I think, you know, the fact that they've had such amazing success with it, I mean, must say something about the phone itself, right? Absolutely, yeah. And of course, now they've just announced the new Verizon iPhone, which is unlike other iPhones, because um, it's a really weird thing in America with the mobiles, is that only two of the carriers use SIM cards. So it's only AT&T really? and T-Mobile actually use SIM cards. Uh, Verizon and there's probably one or two others that I can't remember immediately. They they have like special chips or something inside that connects them to the network. They don't have SIM cards, so you can't use it on different networks. What's also really annoying is that T-Mobile... So the only ones with SIM cards are T-Mobile and AT&T. And T-Mobile, their 3G works on a different frequency from normal 3G something about the crazy licensing that they've got in america so if i use my iphone my unlocked iphone in america on a t-mobile card i can't get 3g on it because my my phone doesn't pick up that frequency of 3g are we like protected by the eu here I think we are. With, I think there's definitely with interoperability some... rules. And yeah, stuff. no, I'm sure that, that that some some governing body stepped in quite early on and just made sure that everyone used SIM cards. And I'm really seeing the situation in America. I'm I'm quite pleased about that. Really. Yeah. I mean, I would personally have the locking of phones to carriers be against the rules as well. But... Yeah. So so Apple have made a special iPhone just for Verizon. Right. I'd be really interested to see how that changes you know the sort of the the balance the shift between different yeah. smartphones in america so there's uh there's also the playbook right and that's um that they're, they're doing a lot of well the playbook which is uh is rim's new little tablet device um and they seem to be working with adobe very closely because the sdk for playbook is based on adobe air so adobe air is built into the playbook so that's how you make apps 
Right. And there's certainly been a lot of kind of Adobe run events recently, sort of trying to uh, sure. to promote app development on the Playbook. And you can even, if you get a, an app approved for their store, then uh, RIM will actually send you a free Playbook. That's great. But then how do you get it approved without having one? Uh, well, there's, um, there is an emulator. Right. So as part of the SDK, you'll get an emulator. And so they're, they're encouraging early adopters. I think that's really interesting that, you know, the only way to make apps on the playbook is through Adobe Air. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, when you're making a new platform and you're having an app store and stuff, you've got to make a decision of what technology to use, right? Yeah. You know, and I guess, you know, you can use Java like Android did. They kind of piggybacked onto the Java community, even though Android isn't technically Java. Mm. Um they just borrowed that whole developer community. Obviously, with iOS, they inherited a developer community from uh, Mac apps. With Windows Phone, they're getting the .NET community. Yeah. So if you don't already have a community like that, you know, <laughs> call Adobe. <Yeah. laughs> Flash developers are desperate. <laughs> from yeah. what I saw, it was being more marketed at uh, like businessmen, you know, the traditional, the old school BlackBerry audience, basically. So there's all of these new tablets, um, and 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 I don't know if there's even a, a proven market yet. So I mean, I don't know. I'm probably not going to be investing too heavily yet until one, until they've sort of established the yeah. market for. Yeah, I mean, them. one thing you have to think about, you know, when you're developing anything is like how big is the audience that you're going to reach, right? Yeah. So, you know, you're. And that's the upper limit on your market, right? So if you do something that just uses the web or Flash, if you you know, if you make a Flash game, for example, your potential audience is maybe like I don't know how many installs of Flash there are, but just say it's like a billion or half a billion installs. So that potentially is your audience, okay, not in real terms. But yeah. then once you talk about um, you know, a device say like the iPhone, there's only like a hundred million iPhones in the world, right? Or something. So I'm just pulling these all these numbers out of you know out of your uh, ass. ass. <laughs> We weren't going to swear. I always said arse already. Out of my arse. It's arse swearing? Damn it. Maybe in the context of like pulling things out of it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so you always have to think about what is the potential reach, right? And so as you go down these platforms, once you get to something like Windows Phone, God knows how many devices that have been sold so far. It's probably not that many. Whereas, you know, if you do something that works by like, you know, Java, mobile Java, things like that, your audience is still probably bigger. That's still probably the biggest mobile platform. But it's just not one. It's not very sexy, is it? It's not sexy. Yeah. And the other thing is it doesn't have really, it's not an open platform in the way of like, you know, you can't just, there aren't app stores in the same way, basically, that you can just submit to. Yeah. It's like you've got to have a deal with the carrier and stuff. So yeah, the amounts of investment involved get get way bigger. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe the smartphones make actually level the playing field a little bit. Oh, they definitely make the whole thing much more accessible and more interesting. Mm. A more interesting place, definitely. Like. But ultimately, there's still, at, at least right now, with all of these new things coming out, there's a huge amount of fragmentation. Fragmentation is fine. Yeah. As long as the fragments are bigger. Yeah, that's that's right. And and right now, the fragments are all very new and young. And, and so I, I, for one, I'm just going to sit back for a while, watch them all have a little fight, and then see where we're at in a few months. Should be fun. If you look at actually what app stores have brought, it's only good things, yeah. you know. If you look at how much innovation in games you see has come from, say, the iPhone app store with things like, you know, Angry Birds and whole new genres of games, really. 
and then none of the consoles have you know like their playstation or xbox have done the same thing the xbox has it a little bit with the indie game thing but it's they're not kind of fully fledged citizens yeah i mean obviously it's great and it's great that you know a, a, a lone developer can compete with you know electronic arts and the big boys and win yeah that's very exciting and that's kind of what we were talking about last last time as well wasn't it with the with this sure. sort of new state where you can actually do stuff as an individual that is really high quality yeah so it's cool well let's let's wrap it up for this this uh i keep saying this week but <laughs> this let's wrap it up for this episode um yeah so uh yeah let us know what you think as ever comments on the blog we'd love to hear what you thought and uh we'll catch you on the next one i was just gonna say have you, have you got any upcoming events or anything oh yeah i do now? actually i really that's well done um so i've got oh, what have i got so i've got a few things coming up i've got some more um creative javascript training next week in brighton there's still a couple of spots left on that if you're interested uh, i'm also d- running that a single sort of single day version of that at fitc amsterdam uh, along with the presentation which is a, a sort of update on html and javascript and then after that, I'm in South by Southwest, also wow. going to be doing a two and a half hour workshop on creative JavaScript effects. And then I come straight back and do two days of training in Manchester as part of the Technique Digital Retreat. So uh, I'll stick links on there. It should be a lot of fun, actually, all of those things. Is this all, is this all February and March? Or? This, is, this is pretty much, yeah, February and March. Cool. Have you got anything? So, yeah, first Monday of every month is the Plymouth Extended Play Indie Games Meetup. So if you're in Devon and Cornwall, definitely come along to that because it's really fun. And we're kind of starting a scene from nothing at the moment. And it's really, uh, everyone's really enthusiastic and it's a great laugh. So, yeah, even if you're in a far-flung part of Devon and Cornwall, get get on the train and get down to Plymouth. It's all happening in the West Country. Um... Well, <clears throat> let's not get excited. But... <laughs> Well, it is actually, you know, I saw that happening in Brighton a few years ago, just that sort of groundswell really sort of taking hold and and suddenly blooming. It's a really nice state to be in 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 the sort of uh, developing community. That's all we've got time for on this episode uh, of Creative Coding Podcast. Let us know what you think on the blog and we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Yeah, leave comments. Um, the website is creativecodingpodcast.com. Yeah, I think they might know that seeing as they downloaded it from there, but that's fine. <laughs> when we recorded the last one, we didn't have the website, oh, yeah. so we can actually say it on air now. I like so. it. Creativecodingpodcast.com. Cool. And hopefully we'll be on iTunes soon. We'll have to maybe resubmit. But thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you.